Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message that we hope encourages you. Ohayou gozaimasu. In Japanese, to say morning, you say ohayou. See, you can speak Japanese. You didn't even know that, did you? In the evening, they have what they call an ofuro. An ofuro is a, it's a small, very deep, very hot bath. It's steaming. You have to put cold water in it to cool it down a little bit. And you get in there like a live lobster and you cook. And when you come out, you're all red and ready to eat. Well, they have another name for that. Uh, they, it's ofuro is the bath, but um, you can say if you're going to go in the evening, in the morning it's Ohio, in the evening it's New York. <laughs> Pretty good, isn't it? So Ohio in the morning, New York in the evening, and right in the middle is Pennsylvania. That's where I'm from. You say, well, what does that mean in Japanese? No, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a great state. <laughs> well, we want to say thank you for supporting us all these many, many years. Uh, it's 34 years, isn't it? Something like that. And we've been, since we started in deputation, you saw the picture of Mariko and I when we first started out. That was way, way back, uh, before my hair turned to snow. So it's changed a little bit since then. But God's been good. It's been a sometimes a hard road, but you've got to keep your focus on what God has given you to do. The job, uh, the circumstances were going to change constantly, just like the weather. I, I watched the weather news forecast just a little bit this morning. They're talking about Tuesday, some rain, maybe Thursday, Friday, some rain. Other days, it's going to be sunny and all those kind of things. So it changes constantly. We know that. Circumstances change constantly, too. We must not allow circumstances to affect our Christian life. Otherwise, it would be similar to living your life according to the weather. Well, we can't do that. You don't go to work only on the nice days. On the days that's our inclement weather, you don't go to work. Oh, well, I can't go because it's raining or it's snowing or it's too cold. You wouldn't have a job very long. We go anyway. Because that's our job. As a Christian, God has given us a job. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You do the job. And that's what you have to do when you go to a hard place like Japan. They are not receptive to the gospel. As I mentioned earlier, the illustration, if Buddhism, just for illustration's sake, if Buddhism was the truth, and someone came here, and knocked on our door or tried to witness to us about Buddhism, our hearts would not be very open to that. In fact, it would be quite close because our entire culture has been influenced by the Bible. Our holidays, our life, our, the way our family is structured is all influenced by the Bible. Our legal system influenced by the Bible. In their case, all their holidays 
are influenced by Buddhism and Shinto. So Christianity comes into Japan. That's Western religion. That's American religion. We're Japanese. That's their thinking. And they're very closed to it. Oh, they might be polite. They might listen a little bit. But their heart's closed, cold. How do you reach a people like that? You present the word and you pray. And you keep praying. And you keep presenting the word. Even though you don't see any fruit, you keep doing it. Year after year, decade after decade. You say, how can you keep doing that? That's the job. The circumstances don't matter. Oh, we pray about the circumstances, of course. Just like if we have some terrible storm coming in, we pray that God will protect us and calm the storm and so forth. You pray, sure. But it doesn't change the job. And that's so critical for us as believers. Keep your eyes on the Lord, His Word, and focus on the job that He's given. The circumstances will change constantly. Right now, maybe it's a difficult time. Right now, we're under attack. Right now, we're under pressure, stress, or some kind of problem. But it's not going to be like that forever. There will come a good time again. You'll be on the mountain peak. And it'll be really exciting. And you'll feel like, wow, this is great. We finally made it. And feel like that'll continue on. It doesn't. It goes back down in the valley. You have to remember that in the valley is where the harvest is. Not the mountaintop. The mountaintop is exhilarating. The scenery is beautiful. But it's in the valleys where we do the work. The hard labor. And that's where the fruit comes. Not on the mountaintop. Paul had many, many valley experiences. And one of them is right here in Acts chapter 28, the very last chapter of Acts. And I'd like to read some verses here, verses 16 to 31, in fact, just to give the background of what's happening here in the, at this time for Paul. Acts chapter 28, verse 16 and when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." who when they had examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, we had neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, they came, on, came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, 
persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We all need your word every day. We pray that you will bless your word right now to our hearts. Teach us the truths of your word. Help us to understand your word and your truth. Work that word in our hearts, meeting those needs of our hearts, strengthening believers, helping those that have not received Christ as their Savior to receive him as their Savior and Lord. Pray that you will bless and cause revival to break out in this service and out from this church to this state, the nation, and the world. Bless the word richly in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul had taken a trip, a long, hard trip by a sailing vessel, small in comparison to today's ships, all the way from Caesarea, he had been captured in Jerusalem, wrongly accused, and then bound and sent to Caesarea, spent two years there, and then sent on to Rome. On the way to Rome, they went into a, a fierce storm, an eastern wind that comes across the Mediterranean Sea called a Eurocleton, and they were about two weeks in that storm, fearing for their lives, thinking that they wouldn't even make it. Finally, shipwrecked upon the island of Malta, were able to get back to another ship and went on to Rome. The other prisoners were given to the guards, the Praetorian guards, the people that would take care of those other prisoners, but Paul was given special approval. He could stay in his own rented house. What if that was us? We'd already spent two years in Caesarea, wrongly accused, had been taken prisoner, and wrongly accused in two years in Caesarea, taking that long journey, shipwrecked to Malta, and then sitting in house arrest in Rome. Another two years waiting for your opportunity to 
come before Caesar for trial. If that was us, and we were under those circumstances, what would our heart attitude be? Would we complain? Oh, I don't know why this is happening. If I was free, I could be out ministering and doing all these wonderful things for the Lord, and here I am sitting here chained to this guard, and I can't get out, I can't do anything, and would we have that kind of attitude? Very easy for us to do that, wouldn't it? To complain and <laughs> kind of mope about our situation. Naturally, Paul wanted to be free. Anyone would want to be free. But that didn't stop Paul from his job. You see, Paul did not forget the work that God had given him to do. Paul, before he got saved, was the enemy of Christ, the enemy of God's people. He persecuted viciously the church. His idea was that Israelites should be following Moses' law. And it's unthinkable that they would follow anything else and betray anything else. Betraying Moses and Moses' law. You're Israelites. You should be faithful. And so he persecuted those Israelites that believed on Christ to the death. Simeon, he was standing there as he was martyred. That was Saul. But then he got saved. 100% change. And God gave him a job to take the word to the Gentiles. All of us that are saved here, most of us are Gentiles. There may be a few Israelite descendants here, but most of us are Gentiles. We are saved. All that are saved are saved because of Paul's ministry. We are a fruit of his ministry. God sent him to the Gentiles with the gospel. God sent Peter to the Israelites with the gospel. God had a per place for each of those men to serve, to a people, to take his word. And the job was to preach the word to God's people that they would be strengthened and that new people that have not been saved, will understand the gospel and get saved. That was Paul's job. And he did not forget that regardless of the situation, regardless of whether he was free or he was a captive of Rome, a prisoner, he didn't stop. And so right in that prison situation, in his own house, house arrest, likely chained to a Roman guard because it was... Roman law, if a prisoner were to escape, the guard would be put to death. So they would no way allow anyone that is a prisoner to, be, to escape. If he was chained to a Roman guard, which I'm thinking likely he would be, those Roman guards were standing there on duty four hours at a time, changing every four hours or so. He couldn't get away. And Paul's preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God. So the question really was, who's the prisoner? <laughs> the Roman guard couldn't get away. Four hours at a time, he has to listen to Paul preach the gospel. 
How many of those Roman guards got saved? Interesting, isn't it? When we get to heaven, we'll find out. But he called all of the synagogue leaders of Israel that were in Rome to his place. He couldn't go to them. He called for them to come. And what did he do? He took the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't all written yet. He took the Old Testament and the prophets, Moses, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the prophets, all the prophets, Isaiah and all those prophets, and he preached Christ to them. And you know what? Some of them got saved. Some of them believed on Christ. You see, if you preach the word of God, God takes the word and works in people's hearts. It doesn't matter how hard they are, and they were hard. Paul knew about hardness. He was hard before he got saved, but God reached him. Hardness of heart doesn't matter to the Lord. The Lord can still work in their hearts. We can't. We can present, we can pray, but God does the work in the heart. And that's what we do in Japan. We have to present the word, and we keep presenting the word, and we pray. I'm encouraging our people to pray for 50 people to be saved. I'm actually praying for many, many more. I'm not telling them how many, and I'm not going to say how many. But when we reach that point, I'll let you know. It's an incredible amount. It's ridiculous, humanly speaking. In fact, it's humanly unthinkable. It's never been done in Japan before. That's what I want. I want God to work a work in our church that our people will see God do this work. Not some far off place that we read about that happened some far distant area or some years back that happened for some missionary or pastor somewhere. I want God to do this marvelous work in our church, right where we are. Will God do it? He wants to. And he will work. Because that was his purpose of coming to this earth. To see all people get saved. God, I want him to do that work. Because I want our people to see. Of course we want people to be saved. I want our people to see God do this work right before their eyes, right as an answer to their prayer, right in front of them to see God do an incredible work that has never been done before in Japan. Not only that, I want other gospel preaching churches in Japan to see that. And when they see, hey, in Inage, Bible Baptist Church, God did this in their work. This can be done, and God can do this in our church too. And that's exactly right. He can. I want to challenge you. Take a piece of paper when you go home. Start writing down names of people you know that are not saved. Friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, people that you know. Start writing names down. I think it would be very easy to come up with 50 names. 
and then keep that piece of paper and start praying. You say, I can't pray for all of them, not all at one time. Take five of them in the morning. Pray for Joe and Bill and Susie and, and George and Anne. Five people to be saved in the morning. And then before you go to bed, maybe five more. And just keep working down that list. And when you get at the bottom, start over. And keep praying. You say, how long do I pray? Till they get saved. Keep praying. You say, it might take decades. It might take more than your life. But keep praying. Because for God's perspective, it doesn't matter if it's during our lifetime or not. If they get saved, that's eternal fruit. And in eternity, they'll be with us forever. That's God's perspective. Keep praying. God will work. Let me warn you, the devil knows that prayer is powerful. And he knows this is God's will. And this is God's purpose. And he will not sit idly by. He will attack. When that happens, just give it to the Lord. Ask the Lord to take care of it. And keep praying. Keep your focus on the work and the word. Fill your heart with God's word every day. Keep praying. Wouldn't it be fantastic to see 50 people saved and baptized and added to the work? People that you know. People that are hard and they're not interested in church and the Bible and learning the word of God. Oh, yeah, they're not interested now. But when we think about our own testimony, how long did it take us? And were we hard and were we unresponsive before we were saved? God will work. Paul preached the word and the Israelites came these leaders, and they said, yeah, we haven't heard anything about you. Nobody mentioned anything about you, but this sect, you know what that is in Greek? It's actually the word we get heresy from. This heresy. You see, for them, the truth was Moses, and it's right. Moses did preach the truth, but they didn't understand it correctly. We have Moses right here in the Old Testament what he wrote. But they weren't getting the message of Moses. And Paul preached Christ to them. And some of them got saved from the Old Testament. What a great thing. Some didn't. And he said, Paul then quoted Isaiah to them and said, here in Isaiah... He said, go unto this people and saying, hear ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. And he goes on, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And that certainly is true because most of us here are Gentiles. But thankfully, some Israelites also are being saved. So did Paul quit? No. He kept preaching the gospel. 
You say, what about those Roman soldiers that we were talking about before? What about those, those people that heard the gospel? Oh, yeah. We turn over to Philippians. We find out what Paul wrote during the time, likely, though he was in Rome, in prison. He wrote several books, Philippians, uh, Colossians, Philemon, some of those books, maybe Ephesians too. Over in Philippians, let me read a couple of verses to you. Very interesting that he mentions this to the Philippian church. You remember Philippi, that's the very Roman city. Retired soldiers would go to, Rome, or to Philippi, cities like that, to retire. Very, very Roman in their culture. And he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse number 12 and 13, he says, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about his imprisonment, his being in chains, his having to be arrested by a wrong accusation and going to court trying to defend himself and going to Rome and all these things has turned to the actual furtherance of the gospel. You see, he didn't stop. Oh, poor me. I'm in prison. I've been wrongly accused. I'm in chains. Oh, no. This has actually furthered the gospel. His whole focus was the word of God and the work that God had given to him. The Lord Jesus Christ and his word. That was the purpose and whatever situation, he used it for that work. Verse 13, Philippians 1.13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifested in all the palace and in all other places. In all the palace, what palace? The emperor of Rome, the world power of the time, in his palace, the Christ is manifest. Paul did not lose his focus because of a situation of being in chains. He kept his eyes on the Lord, the word, and the job that God had given him to do. He did not stop. One more verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. Very interesting. He closes the book. He says, all these brethren, they want to tell you hello. And then he says, all the saints salute you. Chiefly, mainly, they that are of Caesar's household. Amazing, isn't it? Here's a prisoner. Chained to a guard, probably. Refusing to stop preaching Christ. Everyone that would come to him, he would teach the word and preach the word of God, the gospel to them. And he was so effective from his house prison, preaching the word of God. People in Caesar's household got saved. And they're in heaven now. 
When we first started this message, we said, don't let circumstances determine and affect your Christian life. Keep your focus on Christ, His Word, and the work that God has given you to do. That's critical for us as believers. If you're not a believer, there's something critical for you, and that is you need to be saved. There is only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me, Jesus said. You want to go to heaven, you need Christ. There is no other way. You say, how, how do I go to heaven? How do I get eternal life, be saved? It's very simple. Compared to God, when we compare ourselves to God, who is holy, sinless, perfect, we find ourselves to be completely undone, completely sinful, unworthy, unjust, unrighteous, condemned, already condemned. Just the sentence hasn't been carried out yet, thankfully. And the reason it is hasn't because God's mercy. We deserve eternal punishment. And that's in the lake of fire, a lava-like fire for eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we are willing to realize before God, or oh, before each other, we're nice people. But before God, we're completely sinful. So we realize, I'm a sinner. I cannot go to heaven like this. I'm hopelessly lost when it comes to my own doings, my own way. I need a Savior, and that Savior is Christ. And I'm willing to make that decision. I don't want sin anymore. I want Christ. We make that decision. We turn from sin to Christ. That's repentance. We believe on Christ, that He is God, that He came to this earth, became a man, flesh and blood, flesh and bones and he died on the cross he took the sin penalty that I deserved and you deserved upon himself all at one time unthinkable suffering and he finished it he completely finished that penalty which none of us could have ever done at the end he said it is finished so strong that Roman centurion standing by there was shocked that anyone on the cross dying would have the strength to declare with power like that. And he gave up his life. His body was buried. He went to paradise. But on the third day, Sunday, that's why we meet and worship on Sunday, he came back to his body and took his physical life again, and he arose. I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it again, he said, and so he did. He's physically alive, and if you believe that, and that he can save you simply from your heart, call out to him, pray to him, say, Lord, I repent. I don't want sin anymore. I want Christ. Forgive my sin. I believe on you. I trust you alone.
for my salvation. Come into my heart. Save me. Give me eternal life. Make me your child. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. From your heart, if you truly, honestly speak to him, pray to him, call out to him like that, he will save you. He will make you his child. He will give you eternal life and prepare you a place in heaven. Every Sunday, I go through that same explanation, time after time after time, week after week. The reason I do that is because most Japanese people have never heard the gospel. And they don't know what I'm talking about. And so I explain it as simply as I can over and over and over again. And for believers to hear that over again so that they can understand how to explain the gospel to others. Well, what about us that are saved? Well, Paul's example is fantastic. Don't let circumstances determine your Christian life. Circumstances will change all the time. You'll have difficulties, you'll have burdens, you'll have stress, you'll have times of real concern, and then you'll have mountain peak experiences. It's going to change constantly. But our Christian life does not be affected like a roller coaster by circumstances. Our foundation's the word. That never changes. So we stand. Oh, it's hard sometimes when we're in the valley and things are really storming. And it's beyond our capability. Oh, it's hard. But God will take care of it. Keep your eyes on the Lord, the word, and the job that he's given us to do. That's how we do it. You say... Well, 39 years in Japan, you must be superhuman. No, I'm just like you. Just my place of service is Japan. That's the only difference. I need the word just like you. There's nothing different. If you were to go to Japan and serve in Japan like we do, we'd be identical. Because it's the same. You're serving here, I'm serving in Japan. We need the word. We've got to keep our focus on the Lord, the Word, and His work that He's given to us to do. It's His Word that strengthens us. It's His Word that keeps us on track for Him. And it's His Word that works in people's hearts. That man that was baptized that we showed in the video, his wife is the organist. His wife was saved when she was very a younger mom. She had four children. He did not get saved. And she started praying for him. How long? About 40 years. He was always very nice. He never opposed her going to church, but when it came to him, he was a closed book. That's typical for Japanese, especially men. But she kept praying. And to make a long story short, God used his granddaughter, the little girl that was baptized at the same time. That's his granddaughter. 
she wrote a letter to him. She was about four or five. Very young, six maybe, I can't remember. She wrote a letter and she said, Daddy's going to heaven, Mommy's going to heaven, Grandma's going to heaven, but Grandpa's going to be lonely. That tore him apart. He started coming to church. And maybe about a year, he sat in the back, back right corner. Our door's entry is on that side. We gave this invitation as we normally do. I went through the explanation how to be saved. We were all standing, and I saw him turn, and I wasn't sure if he was going out or if he was coming. I thought probably he was coming, but he came across, and I knew he's coming to get saved. He walked down the aisle, already tearing up. He couldn't even hardly talk to me. I said, do you want to get saved? He said, yes. That day he got saved. We went through a baptismal course. Our church has a quite an extensive baptismal course. It takes about a year to complete. You say, well, how come it takes so long? We go through the doctrines of the Bible. Salvation, I can hit salvation about three, four times just to make sure as best I can that they truly understood and that they're truly saved. We teach about baptism, the virgin birth, all the church, even prophecy. Go through all those doctrines. They haven't had any background. And so we teach all those things. He wanted to keep going. Even after that, he wanted more. And he got baptized. He's serving in the church today. He got saved when he was about probably 70, 71, two, something like that. Fantastic. The word works. 40 years of prayer. Would we pray for someone to be saved for 40 years? If it's necessary, do it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul's ministry the example that it has given to us. Pray that you will bless the word in this church. Bless pastor and his family and this church family in the word richly. Pray for many to be saved. Ask for 50 people to be saved. Friends, family, neighbors. Bless the word richly in this church and in this outreach. Cause a revival, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.